Welcome back to the Freedom Footprint Show, a Bitcoin philosophy show with Knut Svanholm and me, Luke the Pseudofin. Today, we spend some time with Joe Nakamoto, Bitcoin journalist, writer, filmmaker, and traveler. We'll talk about Joe's experience working for a crypto publication while being a Bitcoin maxi, his orange pilling mission, and the importance of supporting people through the orange pilling process. We also dive into the importance of long-term reputation online, the problem with idolizing personalities in the Bitcoin space, and the effectiveness of guerrilla orange pilling. Traveling, music, comedy, lots of fun today. But before we dive into all that, a reminder that the best way you can support the show is to send us a boost or stream us some sats on a value-for-value podcasting app like Fountain or Breeze. If you get value from the show, consider sending us some value back. Each week, we'll thank the top boosts with a shout out in the show. Nothing this week, but a big thank you to everyone who's been streaming us sats. We appreciate it. If you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe to the channel, and turn on notifications so you never miss a weekly episode. We also want to thank the sponsors of today's show. First, Orange Pill App. Stack friends and speed up hyper Bitcoinization with Orange Pill App. Knut and I are both on the app, and we've been connecting with Bitcoiners from well, I've been connecting with Bitcoiners from my country and all over the world, so check out the app today. And then we have Wasabi Wallet. Built-in coin join to preserve your Bitcoin privacy. Easy to use, it just works. Check it out at wasabiwallet.io. You can find all the details about our sponsors in the show notes, and we'll talk a little more about them later. We'll also mention that the show is produced by Consensus Network, the first Bitcoin-only publishing house. It's also a hub for Bitcoin content like this show. And with that, Here's the Freedom Footprint Show with Joe Nakamoto. Hello and welcome to the Freedom Footprint Show. We're concerned about your freedom footprint and we want to help you spread as much freedom dioxide as possible. I'm your host, Luke the Pseudofin, and I'm here as always with Knut Svanholm. Good evening, Knut. Good evening, Luke. Though we've got a great guest today, we've got Joe Nakamoto, who is promoting his token. So that's a first for the podcast. And so let's uh, get Joe on to tell us all about it. Welcome, Joe. Thanks, Luke. And lovely to see you again, Knut. Yeah, Joe Nakamoto token coming soon. You get this exclusive uh, laserized card if for first purchases. It's obviously a deflationary token. I'm going to burn it all to the ground as well as modern society with it. Yeah, just contact me in DMs if you want to buy more. What, 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 more, what else do you want to increase your freedom, f- freedom footprint even? Also, I've just noticed <laughs> that on Zoom, because of my camera, like this morning, I've got COVID at the moment, like for the fifth or sixth time. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. And oh no, I'm going to die. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, Get well I've got, soon. Like, <laughs> I mean, you look horrible. Yeah. <laughs> but I've got like, every time I've had COVID, I've had like no symptoms apart from like brain fog, or at least uh-huh. this is my excuse for doing stupid shit. And but this morning, like I went to like turn off the bedside light and instead of turning off the bedside light, I headbutted the bedside table. And I didn't realize that it's not, it's not really visible in real life, but Zoom with all its lovely filters. It, like amplifies this little cut I have on my head. Um, mm. So there you go. I blame COVID. So therefore I blame, you know, social constructs, society, and the lack of freedoms therein. I'm going to throw that one out there. Yeah, yeah. We feel you, brother. 
Thank you. Yeah. So, so Soph's actually a little bit ill. She, she's been testing positive for like three days. And every time we've had COVID, she's actually had it like, she's been ill, um, yeah. like actually like an illness thing. Whereas I've always just been a bit of an idiot, but that might not actually be COVID related. But for your audience to judge, let's say. That, yeah, being an idiot is usually more lockdown related than COVID related, right? There you go. It's true. There was a lot of idiocy during the lockdowns. Sorry. Let's not get cancelled too quickly here. <laughs> Apparently they sold all, all the chairs in this apartment. So I'm doing, this is the first time I'm doing the pod standing up. Nice. So I brought in a colleague of mine, another fantastic Bitcoiner here from the island. So whenever I, I get too tired because, you know, I'm old and can't really stand up for 45 minutes straight. So I'll, whenever that happens, I'll have a sit down and I call my friend. Where are you, Mr. Sock? Hello, Joe. Nice to have you on the show. Is this Mr. Sock? Uh, lovely to meet you, Mr. Sock. Yeah, nice to meet you too. Uh, how are things? How uh, many countries have you been in now, last week? Last week, three in the last week, actually. Oh, would those three countries be uh, Britain, Scotland and Wales by any chance? Gibraltar, maybe. Britain is Scotland and Wales, so yes, technically. Oh, I mean, uh, England, Scotland and Wales. Sorry, um, I have a sore throat. <laughs> Mr. Sock has COVID. No, it, it was um, Portugal, France and Switzerland. So yeah, not. No, I, I hate. I don't so, like the UK as much as I used to. So all British. Yes, all, all English-speaking countries that use the pound. Well, see you later. Bye. Good to meet you, Mr. Sock. See ya. Hey, now that we've now that we've met Mr. Sock and had uh, that appearance there, Joe, could you please tell us just a little bit about yourself, your background, so you can give us some context and our listeners some context, and uh, maybe we can actually have an intelligent conversation here. Oh, we can do our best. I swear that Knut in another life is a comedian, or like he's one of those closet Bitcoiners that like, yeah, I'm in it for the movement, but secretly I'm just a comedian and having a great time along the way. I think you so are good. too, by the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, but you know, big shoes or big socks to fill. Um, <laughs> who am I? Well, thank you very much, first of all, for having me on your show. Um, I have managed to catch a few episodes. Awesome that you got Jeff Booth as your first. And uh, yeah, it's good to meet you, Luke, in the football, in the Zoom flesh. I am, yeah, I'm increasingly trying to call myself Joe Nakamoto because Joe Hall or Joseph Hall is like one of the most common names in the UK, if not the world, and doesn't have a great sort of brand recognition to it. And also because Joe Nakamoto is like an obvious signal that I'm not Joe Vitalik or Joe, I don't know, Hoskinson or something. Like I care about Bitcoin. Yeah. And I, and I, and I want that to be, you know, the future that we, that we work towards and I'm, I take a part in building towards. I do write as my day job for Cointelegraph, which is a shitcoin publication. So they cover every shitcoin under the sun. And they make a pretty strong business from that. But I write 90% of the time about Bitcoin and about things that are in Bitcoin's interest. For example, today I wrote about how there's a new UK think tank that's been built or formed to attack CBDCs and their scourge across the UK, as that's been really a buzzword and a flavor in UK reporting for the past couple of weeks. I'm based in Lisbon, where I'm trying to live, but Brexit is making it very difficult for me and my partner to live here. I met Knut for the first time in Madeira on a really interesting trip, which you can read all about on Cointelegraph if you're that way inclined, or Bitcoin Magazine if you're that way inclined. And there are a the few snippets of, uh, I think I do appear in Max uh, Max DeMarco. I've got to remember to call him that and not Pleb Music. 
for some reason, he cut us out, both of us, like where we appear for a couple of seconds. I appear <laughs> as grabbing Sophie like that, like bear hugging her. And I was like, this is classic, like Bitcoin maxi behavior that like Max has put in there, you know, like men, oh, yeah. oh, there, you know, like, yeah, yeah. That was, I mean, it's a nice shot, but still, I was like, this is going to play into like the anti toxic maxi types that are like, oh, Bitcoin maxis are all just a bunch of men that, you know, do men stuff. And it's like, well, anyway, um, that's a, that's a gripe for another day. Like there's anything wrong with it. Like exactly. <laughs> um, it's, it's, yeah, there's a lot of anti woke stuff flying around. Yeah. But yeah. Um. And then besides that, I also tried to make my own content to help people better understand Bitcoin and also to have a laugh along the way and to embarrass myself in public in the hope that other Bitcoiners would also be like, oh, maybe I can also orange pill someone or maybe I can also send some sats to someone. I mean, I say this as if I've like inspired lots of people, but I generally have people like reach out to me like, by the way, thanks for doing that thing. It gave me the confidence or the courage to start a conversation with my brother-in-law or with a random stranger who I met in a pub who was like, oh, you're into that Bitcoin thing. And, you know, I'm hoping that these little touch points will eventually, you know, build up to something a bit bigger and we can get this Bitcoin ball snowballing a bit, bit quicker and a bit heavier than, than what it is at the moment. And you have lots of prof- proof of work of that. I mean, I've seen, I see your feed on Twitter and you've been, you've been on it relentlessly since, since Madeira, you've, you've just been at it. And Country after country and conversation after conversation and truth bomb after truth bomb. You've just been at it. Well, by the way, they don't mind that you, your employers don't mind that you call them shitcoiners. I, I haven't called my employer. Like the other thing is that, but the magazine. <laughs> oh yeah. So I, I actually um, did some digging recently about Cointelegraph versus other uh, media publications in mm-hmm. terms of its reach because. What I find really fascinating is that lots of Bitcoin maxis hate Cointelegraph because it's Cointelegraph, because they promote crypto, tokens, shitcoins, all that sort of stuff. And I totally get that. And and I get it as well because Bitcoin is ultimately an ideological movement where like we are driven by something other than money, which is something yeah. that I find really appealing and I really like buy into. And it goes, it becomes borderline evangelical at times. But there's the other side, which is that Cointelegraph is one of the largest crypto media publications. It's between Cointele- Coindesk and Cointelegraph for like reach. And the numbers yeah. are staggering. Like I, I was looking at, um, what website was it earlier today? It's basically a website that compares like how well, um, websites do in the world. It's called, I've actually got, um, yeah, similarweb.com. And I basically okay. compared Cointelegraph with Coindesk, Blockworks and Bitcoin magazine. To be like, okay, which has the biggest reach? Like, which actually has the biggest impact? You know, if we put good Bitcoin stories out there, and Bitcoin Magazine is like eighty thousandth place for websites in the world, Coin Telegraph is top ten thousand. Oh. So that's like staggering. And then when you look at the actual reach of these things and the views per month, like Coin Telegraph gets about ten million unique visits per month. Bitcoin yeah. Magazine gets like less than it six hundred thousand views per month, and so. I, I looked at this and was like, well, I think I'm doing the right thing here. I think I'm, I mean, my, my goal, yeah. my mission is to orange pill and introduce Bitcoin to as many p- people as possible and to try and undermine their preconceived notions about Bitcoin. The idea that Bitcoin kills the environment or Bitcoin is like inherently unfair or, you know, all these crappy things that the mainstream media love to play up. And I've realized more and more that, yeah, okay, doing it through Cointelegraph might actually be more useful long-term than doing this through Bitcoin magazine. However, I do have to put up with the fact that if you look at the Cointelegraph website at any day of the week, it's going to be talking about Dogecoin. It's going to be talking about like, you know, they're in the business of crypto. 
And in order to be in the business of crypto, you've just got to have a big reach and you've got to get as many people as you want to want to comment and publish on your platform. So do they mind that I call them shit coiners? You ask. Um, yeah. I don't call them shit coiners. I call, yeah. I call the publication a shit coin because okay. you know, that's calling something okay. Like okay. ethereal, um, a shit coin thing. But I don't think they'd mind that. Like it, it is, it is a shit coin publication, isn't it? Do they have any, uh, like ethical guidelines coming down the line or anything like that? Like, uh, are the, do they have any plans to, to like drop the shit coins at some point or is it still going to be mostly shit coins and, and then you? What's really interesting, and I'm not going to dox them, but I've had two colleagues reach out to me and be like, can we have a heart to heart about Bitcoin and working for a shitcoin publication? And I found that really rewarding. Um, All right. in that, you know, they were, they were, they were basically like, listen, I'm, I'm aligned with you and I get that you work for a shitcoin publication. Um, but you know, at the same time, like anyone, like if you're a doctor, you're a doctor who's a Bitcoiner, who's also working for a shitcoin publication, right? You're like, yeah, yeah. medicine isn't furthering Bitcoin adoption. No, but, but, but shit, but you know, advertising shitcoins is a bit like selling crystal meth at a mental hospital. And, uh, like wh while there might be a lot of people in the mental hospital to sell the, like the hopes is that you, you will be able to convert some of the patients at the, at the mental hospital to, to this, uh, fantastic Buddhist retreat that is Bitcoin. And, mm. uh, instead of doing crystal meth all the time or like, is that how you square it with yourself or like what, what what's your, uh, I think the reach angle, I, I guess is the big one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I mean, I also, I also reason that, you know, I am doing Bitcoin only stuff. I am constantly, it would be so easy for me in my job if I was to accept every PR email that came through my inbox to accept, you know, every pitch that comes through and also to be paid handsomely to do so, you know, mm -hmm. it's very, um, once you've got a name for yourself as like a crypto reporter, it becomes more and more easy to get like the bigger pitches, the bigger scoops, whatever it may be. Yeah. Um, but I'm only looking for the ones that have Bitcoin in mind. Yeah. And my, my worry is always what happens when Cointelegraph turns around to me and says, listen, mate, like you're kind of taking the piss here. You've only written about Bitcoin since day one and we are a crypto publication. And I've always like got my argument ready for that. I've never really uh -huh. had my argument ready for how do I make myself feel comfortable living at a Bitcoin, uh, working for a, a shitcoin publication, knowing that it actively undermines the Bitcoin movement. And I guess it's, it's really tricky, right? Cause I mean, I, I've, I had a Bitcoin magazine offer to work for them last year and I actually toyed it up and was like, actually, I think that what I'm doing here is, is more useful, like long-term for, for Bitcoin adoption. But at yeah. the same time, who the hell am I to judge what is good and what isn't good for the Bitcoin movement? Maybe I should like set fire to Cointelegraph and, you know, and, and, and uh, all these token uh, projects. But I mean, do you know George Kaloudis who works at Coindesk? I don't believe I do. He's like an open Bitcoiner or Bitcoin maxi at uh, Coindesk and he's a really good reporter. And Corey Clipston had him on his radar for a while being like, you know, George does good stuff. It's a bit like Kenzie Segalo's at um, CNBC, or is it mm -hmm. MSNBC? You know, she's like a Bitcoiner that's also a reporter. And obviously CNBC is obviously pro-dollar and Coindesk is obviously pro-everything. You know, it's a bit yeah, like yeah. Cointelegraph, but a bit more businessy. And yet they're also in this similar role. I find it quite fun sort of talking to them as well, being like, okay, we know we're in this position where we're not really, kind of like behind enemy lines in a way. You're yeah, working yeah, for the- Yeah, Trojan horse. You're, you're an actual Trojan horse. You wrote that in my book when you gave me your, your book, um, everything divided by 21 million. You said like, oh, to the Trojan. Listen, to the Trojan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've still got I've it. I've forgotten that. Uh, <laughs> nice. Do Cointelegraph have any 
filter for, for shit coins? Like, is there any shit coin that it won't touch? Really good question. I don't think so. I think that, and what's really interesting is that there have been lots of reporters, as it's the case in any financial publication, who have been called out for writing stuff, which looks to be paid, you know, publications. And this is like common knowledge wherever you are, like the FT or Bloomberg or Coindesk. There's always yeah. going to be, you know, I have offers in my inbox every day of saying like, please, can you promote my project? I'll pay you $2,000. Please, can you promote my NFT album? I'll give you the first three NFTs. And it's not because like you're an influencer or anything. It's because you are a publication which has a huge reach and, you know, a reach big enough to technically move uh, markets, particularly when there's small, like the very low liquidity. And so, yeah, it, it does happen that you'll be like, what the hell is that crypto token doing on our front page? Like, what is going on there? But that's the whole business model, I guess, for Cointelegraph. If it isn't that taking the bags of shitcoin, like shitcoin manure money, it's, it's advertising for shitcoins on their site, right? Yes. You know, the, yeah. That's the revenue of any mod, any news. Yeah. If you put an ad for a shitcoin next to a, a proper article, or if you put the shitcoin ad in the article, it's just the same. It's the same mechanic, right? Yeah, no, I mean, that's what all news publications have to do right now, right? There's, yeah. there are so few investigative journalism outlets because it's so much harder to, you know, do that sort of work. You've got to have the funding. You've got to have like the legal team behind you. Like I tried to do some of that at Cointelegraph and it's just not that kind of publication. It, you might be able to do that at a Bloomberg or a The Guardian, for example, because they've got the resources for it. But most crypto media publications are just looking for hits. They're looking for yeah. eyeballs. They're looking for dwell time because they know that their sponsors, i.e. the marketers, the advertisers, the shitcoin companies like mm. that. So, you know, most of the time we, we have exchanges that advertise on Cointelegraph. I mean, I'm not involved with business development at no, all, no. but I look at the website enough to know that there's always KuCoin and Nexo on the right. And oh, yeah. there's always going to be, yeah. It's not, it's not necessarily buy my token. I've never seen like a no, token but, but, project. Yeah. I've been thinking about this and about journalism in general. I mean, this is nothing new. That has always been the case for journalists. And even if it mm. isn't some, something as obvious as a, you know, to, I'll give you $2,000 if you promote my shit. Like it's, it's still, you know, we are humans and we act upon incentives mm. and we, 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 we cannot know what the, what kind of a, an end goal the, the journalist has uh, with his writing. Like he might, uh, like he may write something for, uh, plethora of different reasons, but it's a personal reason in the end. Like mm. you want to get somewhere, you want to land another gig or you want this job or, but it's always biased. It, it cannot not be biased because it's a human being. Uh, mm. so it's subjective. Uh, but I guess in today's world, your, your long-term reputation can be a very, very valuable thing in, uh, as a journalist and uh, sticking to your guns about Bitcoin. And this goes for, for not only journalists, but, but everyone. I mean, I've had shitcoin their offers as well, mm -hmm. but I've, I've never touched it with a 21 foot pole because that's, that's the only thing I have. Like, it's like that line in Scarface. All I have is my word and my balls and they don't break for no one. Like that's, <laughs> if you live by that, you, you, you're probably going to survive hyper, hyper Bitcoinization more easily and like not run into too much trouble. At least mm. I hope that's the case. Yeah. And that actually happened to me recently with Hodlanaut. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you saw this kick off on Twitter recently, but, um, basically there was a publication that was about to go live that I saw in the, like the draft area of the website before it goes published. And it was about here are seven people who might be Satoshi Nakamoto. 
And I was like scrolling through the list being like, please don't be Craig Wright. Please don't be Craig Wright. Please don't be Craig Wright. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, Craig Wright was there. And he was. Yeah. And they published it. And I said like, be really careful about this because I don't think, I think you're going to upset a lot of the Bitcoin community and rightfully so because everyone knows that Craig Wright is a piece of shit and he's either mentally ill or genuinely evil. And there's, yeah. I, I've spent enough time watching him, reading him, like all the content to be like, this guy is literally unwell. Like this guy's probably selling meth yeah, yeah. in hospitals on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Hodl Nort messaged me being like, you know, listen, mate, this is, this is not okay. Like, um, what, what are you going to do about it? And I was like, please just like, give me, give me a couple of hours and I'll try to reason with the editors. But bear in mind that I'm just a reporter. I'm not like mm -hmm. a high up. I, I'm not a senior leadership position and I don't want to be a senior lead leadership position. Um, well, maybe one day, I don't know, but, um, just give me some time. And I went to my editors and said, listen, this is, this is a really bad look. Like not only do we publish like that Craig Wright might be Satoshi, but we do it after not speaking about Craig Wright for about six months to a year, because we previously blacklisted Craig Wright, which is, if you look on Cointelegraph's platform, we, we never touched him. And I don't know why we didn't touch him. I assume it's because he might, you know, throw some legal cost yeah. our way. Yeah. Um, but you know, I'd had stories such as the Hoddle Norts defense fund hitting, you know, when Michael yeah. Saylor donated like a hundred Bitcoin his way or like a huge mm -hmm. amount his way. No. I tried to pitch that as a story and it got rejected. And I was like, why? It's like, oh, we don't touch Craig Wright. Similar to how we didn't touch uh, stuff about Max Kaiser. I don't know why we didn't touch stuff about Max Kaiser, but that's just that sometimes editorial policies are editorial policies and they exist before you arrive. Mm. But obviously Max Kaiser got very upset about that, which is why Stacey attacked me on stage and, you know, yeah, yeah, I remember, but she apologized for that, right? Sort she has in DMs. Yeah. Well, she hasn't apologized, but she said, I take back what I said. She said, I, I take back everything I said. Good to you. hear. Yeah. No, I'm really pleased about that because um, that yeah. was making me lose sleep and it was just unpleasant. And she's, yeah, she's very influential. Yeah. He's incredibly influential. Together, they are unstoppable. And I don't like, I didn't do anything to accept them. And like, I didn't, I worked for a company that blacklisted them, but I didn't, uh -huh. like, I don't support it. <laughs> but I, also, I'm just a pawn in this, in this game. I felt bad about that, but also I was like, it was very mean what she did to me on stage and there was no need to do yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm glad that, um, yeah, she, she said that and, you know, I can just move past it and, you know, focus on the bigger pitch here, which is the Bitcoin stuff. Anyway, I'm digressing. The hodl thing thing um, with Craig Wright, I tried with the editors to be like, okay, th th this is not a great look. I I'm worried about the Twitter backlash and I'm also worried like why we're giving Craig Wright this platform. And their return was, it's done in a satirical way. It's done in a sense of this is obviously not, this is obviously not Satoshi Nakamoto, but people need to know the backstory about it. And I was mm -hmm. like, is that even worth the backlash? Is it even worth like attempting to educate readers about it? And he's not worth the attention. That's, that's first and foremost. Like don't, don't never pick a fight with a pig. Like the pig is going to win because the only thing he craves is the attention. Like so you, you can't win. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. And it just, it saddened me that day. And I was a bit like emotionally drained by it all. I was actually uh, on a plane when I took off, having like emailed the editors. And when I landed, I was like, uh, I saw that they were like, no, no, no. And I told Hoddle and he's like, okay, well, um, I can't remember his exact word, but it was like a DM conversation. But he basically did this piece saying like, I am, you know, I don't support Cointelegraph in the publication of this. And I'm, you know, I want to cancel Cointelegraph. And he tagged me and a few other writers he knows at Cointelegraph in this post. And I was like, I commented publicly being like, I don't support this. Like, I'm sorry, but mm. you know, I, my hands are tied here. And what's really interesting is that then the editor of Coin Telegraph called Christina then commented on this Twitter thread and they had like a back and forth 
you know, she tagged Craig Wright being like, you know, you're a dick. Cause I basically said, if I could, if I could say this to Craig Wright that I, he's a dick, then I would, but I'm blocked by him as, you know, most Bitcoiners are nowadays. And she said, you know, here you go, Joe, I can tag him for you. And Hodlinaut was kind of a bit, I guess he was a bit taken back by this, but it was one of those days where I was like, oh shit, this wouldn't have happened at a Bitcoin publication or a Bitcoin company that understands Bitcoin. You know, that deeper level of Bitcoin community, of Bitcoin, you know. But aren't you, aren't you afraid that you're going to run into more and more of these cognitive dissonance things or <laughs> like, where do you draw the line? Like if, say, just to, to play around with this thought a bit, sorry for like <laughs> questioning your position so much, but, but uh, no, it's I interesting. This interesting because, because it has to do with morals at some point. If Cointelegraph. We're actually advertising crystal meth to teenagers. Could you still see yourself working there then? No, of course not. No, but isn't that what's going on? It's like, where do you draw the line? Because I, I attended a couple of crypto conferences and like, whenever I'm at a crypto conference, like, how do I square that? Because like, I don't really don't buy this narrative at all. And I think it's detrimental, but, but then again. I might reach some people there. If I'm in a, at a Bitcoin conference, you don't really reach anyone new. Everyone al Zero. is already yeah. a Bitcoiner. So you stay in this little bubble. And when, when you're at a crypto conference, you might convert someone mm. or at some other conference about something else. That's, that's where you, that's where you can really make a change. So, uh, yeah, it's a tricky thing to balance, but, but the thing is like, because I guess why I'm asking is because I'm struggling with it myself. Like, where, where do I draw the line? Like, what, what's, what's okay and what's not okay? Well, yeah, you just got to blind yourself with the idea that I am attracting new people um, or I'm helping. I mean, I have had lots of people reach out to me like, bro, I'm, like, I'm now all in on Bitcoin. Thank you. Yeah. You know, I now get Bitcoin. And I, before I, I saw it as a token like everything else, and now yeah. I realize that it is this separate, you know, it, it shouldn't even mean considered in the same basket of crypto. And that's the one thing that really annoys me is like when I've had editors correct the fact that I write Bitcoin and Bitcoin and crypto, like this has upset the Bitcoin and cryptocurrency markets. And even in like the promotional video for the market report, which is like this show that I'm hosting, they like wrote in the, the script, like here's where you keep up to date with all things crypto. And I was like, I'm going to say all things Bitcoin and crypto. And they included it in. And I was like, well, they had no option but to include it in. But, you know, just making those tiny little steps. I don't know. I'm yeah. hoping that the accumulation of all that pushes us more towards the separation of not just money and state, but Bitcoin and crypto. Because, yeah, it, it, it's really hard. And I, you know, I beat myself yeah. up about it thinking, why am I doing this sometime? But also, like, I like a lot of my colleagues. Like, they're really good people. Like, my uh, editor is a fantastic person. He's the best manager I've ever had. He mm -hmm. gets that I'm a Bitcoiner. Like everyone at Cointelegraph knows that I'm a Bitcoiner. No one at this point in the game is going to pitch me with, Joe, can you write this new thing about Tezos or whatever? Like it's just not going to, it's not going to happen. And even on my birthday last year, like there were, like the editor in chief was like, happy birthday to our in-house Bitcoiner Optimus Maximus or something like that. Yeah. And I was did like, did you get my, did you get my birthday wish? It right was now? with the, uh, <laughs> it was amazing. So good. Oh, can I tell, do you want to tell people what you're wearing or? No, no. Please okay. don't tell anyone. It's that was a personal message. Okay. Good. So if you did say, uh, yeah, she should check with everyone, like, dude, make sure this doesn't get posted anywhere. Um, sorry, this is awful content for um, people watching at home. Secrets, yeah, yeah. you know. 
<laughs> shit kind of yeah. things. But it, uh, it's very interesting. Like, uh, I guess as long as you know in yourself that you're a net positive rather than a net negative, you can s- sort of square that because mm. what, what's okay and what's not okay in marketing is very, uh, very tricky too. Yeah, there have been Bitcoin stuff, Bitcoin things that I've been actively like, not promoting, but writing about in a, an encouraging light. And that has since like gone up in flames. Like a, um, a friend of mine, he bought his mama house. He bought his mama house, uh, which is an amazing story, right? A hodler buys his mama house. Doesn't every son want to be able to buy their parents or their mum a house? Like, I think that's just a wonderful story. And he did it by hodling over like an eight year period. But the, the, the catch was that rather than sell his Bitcoin, he gave it to Celsius and took out a loan and gave that money tax-free to his mum. And I was like, doesn't matter. Oh, it's, it's, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's separate to the story. The main thing is like the hodler has bought his mum a house. That's, that's really like, it's a nice story. I wrote it and none other than CZ or CZ, as we call him mm-hmm. in the UK, um, quote tweeted the article with a caption saying, it's all real, isn't it? Like, read on more or whatever. So he picked up the article and thought, this is a really cool thing. And then inevitably, Alex Mashinsky or Alex Muskamsky or Mashilsky picked it up as well because it had Celsius in the story. And nine months later, uh-huh. Celsius is nothing. No. His, his Bitcoin is gone forever or uh-huh. until, you know, the Celsius lawsuit comes to a close. And I'm sat there thinking, right, that was a really, really stupid thing to do. I should have thought more about it. Um, I mean, it was like peak bull run when I wrote about this. Oh, yeah. um, and, that's when the you know, mistakes happen. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, with that sort of thing, I was like, well, uh, you know, Celsius is obviously a shitcoin company, but, you know, he used Bitcoin in a way that like made the world a better place. Like his mum, self, self, part time teacher, struggling to get a mortgage. His son gives him 80 grand from a like no tax free 80 grand as well because it's a loan. And everything should play out in this fantasy world that we've created in the bull run. Um, in the reality, he loses his Bitcoin. I mean, she still has a house. That's the main thing. And yeah. um, he has enough Bitcoin and he's a really smart guy. He's my age. He, he's going to go very, very, very far in life. But that was one of those things where I thought about. Yeah. 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 But I've, you know, for his 30th, I've framed that picture of CZ's quote tweet of the article for him to put in like his downstairs toilet. It's like a reminder of <laughs> the stupid shit that you can do in a bull run. <laughs> Nice. So of all the countries you visited like last year, I, I guess you, you've been to like 15 countries or something last year. I've actually no idea. That'd be a good idea to, to look at it on a map. Is there not like an interactive map I can fill in? Yeah. But what, what was your favorite and why? And, and where, where did you find it easiest to use Bitcoin? And like, I know you, you posted like a thing of, uh, Hey, can you, we're at the restaurant here. Can you. Uh, at the at some airport, and can you can you buy us some food? And it went became ridiculous. You got just got the an entire pile of food on the, on the table there, so it was pretty neat. But like, yeah, what are your experiences with that? How do you travel with Bitcoin, and where is it easiest to do, and why? Favorite place to go was definitely Senegal. I went there twice last year. Oh. I love the Bitcoin community there, and there's a guy there called Noru, whose name on Twitter is Noru for them. And he's just one of those ridiculously humble, but so effective Bitcoiners. Mm. Like wherever he goes, he doesn't just orange pill them, but he sets them up with BTC pay server, teaches them how to hold their own keys. And he's building his own in-house Bitcoin exchange, not, not shitcoin, 
Bitcoin exchange, just so that if people do need to cash out, they can cash out through the exchange rather than currently what they do, which is through him. He's a very like respected member of his community. He set up um, Africa's, I can't say Africa's first Bitcoin conference because people get really upset with me, but Africa's mm-hmm. first Pan-African uh, forum of discussion, because supposedly the first one has to be Afro-Bitcoin. And I got told off of that last year. Um, <laughs> but he, he set that up in early December. And, uh, you know, in two, two or three months, he had people coming from all over the world to see what Bitcoin adoption was like in West Africa. And I just see him as a real like inspiration, like mentor, like really just impressive figure. Um, and, you know, I want to go back to Senegal this year, not just to hang out with him, but also just to, it's a really cool country. I, I've always loved developing countries because, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you experienced this as well, Canute, but there's this atmosphere that's very different than you get in, you know, sort of boring, civilized Western countries where there's an unpredictability and just stuff, yeah, yeah. life comes at you in weird ways. Um, in terms of where it was easiest to live off Bitcoin, that's another really tricky one. I'd probably have to say now, Lugano in Switzerland. I would have said El Salvador, but I did struggle. Like, And that, there's yeah, a yeah. documentary coming out with Cointelegraph where I'd be like, how to live off Bitcoin in El Salvador, where like I documented everything and did like a little voiceover. Oh, yeah. I think I saw a trailer or something for that, or some some clips from like El Salvador where you tried to pay in Bitcoin. Nice. Yeah, yeah that, that was like, a, I did a bit of like quote thread, the tweet thread thing of like every time I used Bitcoin in El Salvador. And I was just, I was just amazed at how many people had never used Bitcoin before, despite the fact that we all think that Bitcoin country is Bitcoin country, right? Everyone must have used it. Um, but I got also a lot of satisfaction from talking to people and from showing them how to use Bitcoin in El Salvador. Um, yeah, so I'd say Lugano now, which is in Switzerland, which is where they've got the Plan B conference. And it's funnily enough where Paolo Arduino, uh, he lives nearby. Um, so, you know, if you put enough big name Bitcoiners around the world, you know, like Knut's now in Madeira, like inevitably there's sort of this orange pill trail behind him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty cool to see when 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 people heard that, that a bunch of us were coming here now, like now there's like 30 people that just flew in just to just to come and hang out with us during this week. And it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, there you go. And uh, and you only need a couple of Bitcoiners to, to you know, avoid the shenanigans of the fiat world because you exactly. just shoot sats to one another or like it, it, everything becomes easier. Yeah, it is so easy to opt out. What do you think of the show so far? Let us know what you think in the comments. And now a quick word about our sponsors. First up is the Orange Pill app. Download the Orange Pill app today from theorangepillapp.com. Yeah, Orange Pill app. Woo-hoo! Rocket ship, get on board. It's available for iOS and Android. Stack friends and meet like-minded people near you. Connect with your favorite Bitcoiners and speed up hyper-Bitcoinization. We're really excited about the Orange Pill app and its potential to connect Bitcoiners in their local area. Download the Orange Pill app. It's not a dating app, but you can use it for dating. Download now. Next up is Wasabi Wallet. It's a great desktop wallet that has privacy by default and CoinJoin built in. It recycles your UTXOs around so that no one knows who you are after it's done the process. Check out wasabiwallet.io. Make sure that that's the actual link you check out because there are scammers out there who want to steal your Bitcoin. But it works in the background. Tor is built in. And when you send coins to it, the coins you take out are private. So download Wasabi Wallet today. I'm wearing these shades in tribute to Wasabi Wallet because your OPSEC is important. So I'm totally anonymous now, just so you know. Joe, what's another uh, another thing from your trap? What's another interesting from my travels? Um, I guess uh, the fact that Bitcoin is everywhere, if you look, you know, under enough shells and uh, knock on enough doors, 
I mean, even in Morocco where Bitcoin is banned, I did finally find someone to trade with peer to peer. Um, it was a security guard, at a hotel, uh, like one of those five star resort hotels. I was just literally walking around being like, where were hey, you in Morocco? Morocco? Where? Uh, where in, in Tagazut, uh, like Tagazut. Ag- yeah. Like near Agadir. Okay. Yeah. It's Southern. like a surfy area. Yeah. 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 The, like, yeah. Uh, Southern part, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to, I want to do more in Morocco, but now I'm getting more and more put off countries that don't have a Bitcoin footprint. If that makes sense. Like if Bitcoin is illegal, then I'm naturally just like, I don't want to visit this country. Like it's clearly anti-freedom. It's clearly anti, you know, or it's just lazy, you know, because the, the easiest yeah. thing to do for a government or for a bank is just, just cancel it. Be like, no, we're not going to deal with it now. And that's the, you know, way yeah. of getting around these issues. Um, but yeah, the, <laughs> I say, yeah, that was interesting to be in a country where a Bitcoin is banned and still find that people are using it, you know, becoming ungovernable um, is, is a flavor for the, for the Bitcoin community. <laughs> Other than that, I'm trying to think back. I mean, Madeira was bloody great, but it was only, well, it was great because it's a great island, but it was also bloody great because it was just like a big, big, big bunch of big name Bitcoiners getting together and, you know, chatting Bitcoin, uh, drinking a lot of poncha and seeing this amazing place. That, um, yeah. I mean, shout out to Andre Loja, like what a legend for putting that all together and for, and also for persevering, you know, he's not just put them together and he's taken his foot off the pedal. He's still going at hammer and tong to get he definitely you know, his is. Bitcoin community. Yeah. I mean, I guess he's, you, you're there today, right, Knut? Cause I guess Andre yeah, yeah. was like, come over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm meeting with him tomorrow. We're doing a bunch nice. of things tomorrow and oh, ending nice. with a, a big uh, steak dinner. So it's going to, it's going to be good. Uh, You'll be proud of me. I'm now eating meat again. Oh, you are? Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, it does actually feel really good. Do you have um, a balanced five, diet? <laughs> I do now. Uh, five years, <laughs> uh, five years of vegetarian and then hang out with a load of Bitcoiners and, you know. No. You, you just can't Fuck anymore. It. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I started eating meat this year and um, I don't think I'll look back for a while. It's just, good yeah. Good to hear. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, and then what other travels? I mean, this week I'm going to Barcelona for a shitcoin conference called the European Blockchain Convention. Yeah, yeah, I heard you know, of that. Yeah, and it's, it's similar. To, I mean, maybe you got an invite, Knut, But yes, it's similar to what you were saying earlier. Like, uh, I want to be able to evangelize, spread the Bitcoin message. You know, introduce yeah. more people to Bitcoin. And in our bubble, which is a bloody great bubble, we can't do much to no. you know proliferate more we've got to convince we've got to get out of our echo chamber and get out into this out of our comfort zone yeah in order to but that was like, a, a I, I, I like the liberty in a lifetime conference so much this uh this fall because uh, like mm. uh it's not bitcoin oriented but more liberty oriented or freedom oriented and we managed to orange build quite a few there because they nice a lot of people who were like hadn't yet made the distinction between shitcoins and Bitcoin. And we were there a whole bunch of us to tell them the difference. And be- before that, we went to Bulgaria to a conference uh, called the, the, the uh, Crypto Revolution, which was really just a Bitcoin conference in disguise. So they had a couple of crypto sponsors, but, but uh, they're re- rebranding to the crypto revolution, uh, to the Bitcoin revolution next year. No, and it was really, really, uh, uh, at, at its core was Bitcoin maxi conference, basically. So uh, yeah, yeah. So we had a great time there too. I think that's a really good idea, though, to to create these spaces or these conferences that are like crypto, or 
I mean, maybe it's maybe it does it a disservice to call it crypto, but to call it something else, call it like you That's know the, the the what could you what what buzzword could financial you education or something? Yeah, or like yeah, yeah, financial but, but because, freedom. Or... Because in twenty twenty three, I think the word crypto is finally associated with like crystal meds. Like it's it's not something it. It's not a force for good. Like I don't pe- see people seeing it like that anymore. And like the, there's been a change and, and the uh, people are turning maxi or either e- what I've seen is that either they get wrecked and they're like, okay, I'm not touching this ever again, this crypto stuff. And they include mm-hmm. Bitcoin in that or, oh shit, the, the maxis were right all along. These uh, toxic people. Were actually just warning me and and not being toxic. They were just calling out scams, and so so this is where I've sh- I should have paid attention, but I didn't. Uh, yeah. And then they become maxis. But mm. but but I mean, next year, like, how are they going to pull this off again? I, I mean, never underestimate the pre- predictability of stupidity, but but still, it's going to be hard to. But because it's it's like the fourth wave of shit coins, like. First time it happened, it was Namecoin and Peercoin and Primecoin and all sorts of strange names. And the, like the, it's the same, it's the same scam. It's just the the names of the the shit change. Uh, mm. Other than that, it's always the same. So yeah. like, and and in twenty twenty three, like I think because a lot of Bitcoin maxis, so so called Bitcoin maxis, and and a lot of you know people with more dignity or more more ethical people are going to be less forgiving to these uh, shitcoin apologists yeah so so it's a but it's a fine balance like where where, where do you draw the line and where how do you do that also i hate to like cheer on the demise of something like i don't want to be this like harbinger of evil being like oh like i can't wait for ethereum to go to zero I really can, but I really can't at the same time. Like, it, wouldn't that be great if, like, that would be like the final sort of, hopefully, the final nail in the coffin of, see, like, this yeah. is why, like, but it would be nice if Bitcoin. it could, if it could go to zero with, with like the, the not of their own stake, their Ethereum, so they're not getting anything back. But like, if the users could be the ones rug pulling the, <laughs> rug yeah. pulling the the scammers, that would be nice. But. I, I just don't see that happening. Like, that's the whole mm. point of running a shitcoin is to it, it's to it, it, it's to fool people. Uh, mm. That's the sad truth. It's it's either scammy or or very misinformed, and you know, some gullible person. So yeah. that, especially at this point, you, but I think you could, a lot of people in this space also to think that they are getting they they know it's going on, or they're a little bit aware that this could go to zero. But it's fine because for the moment it's making me money, or at least in the yeah, next couple yeah. of years. They make- know it's a casino, basically, and that the house almost always wins. But but some people go to casinos anyway because they want to yeah. go. What's wrong with that? And free market and everything. And th- there's a point there, but th- it should be marketed as a casino. Then, like ethically speaking, it should be like you could make a lot of money here before we take it all away. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean it, that's why that's the way I think a lot of my colleagues would consider it or, or, or look at it. That you know, there is always going to be this stuff going on, and mm-hmm. we are closer to the spigot because we are closer to the the news source and the information. 
Therefore, mm-hmm. we're even better informed to make more informed decisions about what we do with our, with our money here. But if you really look at bigger picture, is any, are any of these blockchains really able to scale to the level to serve like what they, what they claim to be able to do? None of them can. No. And none of them have a good answer for that. <laughs> and at least in the Bitcoin community, you've got people saying like, of course, Bitcoin isn't supposed to scale to meet the whole world of like, there's only seven transactions a second. You know, we know that there's supposed to be layers. We know that, that but you, but if you look at like the, the trilemma of, you know, decentralization, scalability, security, then Bitcoin is the only one that um, satisfies that and has the yeah. ability to scale alongside it. So even if you come down to like a technical, like, okay, let's look at users across the world, then the only one that still satisfies it is Bitcoin. So either you suspend this disbelief and think that, okay, my shitcoin can make it, or you're just being like, I know that's actually the truth, but I'm just going to keep hodling that coin until it 5Xs, 10Xs, and I'm going to sell. Yeah. And you effectively partake in this secret Ponzi that everyone you know is, uh, you know, partaking in. I don't yeah. know. It, I saw that there was some award that one of these publications gave out for like crypto influencer of the year. And it's so fun because the award is a, was it Coindesk? Yeah. 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 The, the award is an actual pyramid, which is very, very fitting. I mean, it's the big, big brother reference and it's the Ponzi reference and the, yeah, I guess the, the trilemma reference, but yeah, that, that caused a lot of ruffles along the, among the Bitcoin community, um, because they put like loads of shit coins in it. And it's funny yeah. because Cointelegraph's top 100 is being released as we speak. I was like, Naib Bukele needs to be number one or number 69. And they let me put him as number 69. So, um, <laughs> Bukele is number 69 on that list. Okay. Google. Which Bitcoiners are in the top 10? Um, possibly Jack. Um, I'm not actually sure off the top of my head. Dorsey or Mahler's? Uh, Dorsey. Um, oh. I think that Jack Mahler's is like in the twenties. Like it, the top 25 is not that attractive. Like it's not Bitcoin heavy. And I know that I'm going to get a lot of shit for it. Um, uh. but I mean, we, we, we were all voted as a team and we said like, okay, out of the 300 people that work at Cointelegraph, who are your top 10 picks and you know, where they should, where should they be? And then it's be all of mine with Bitcoiners, but there's a so much, so much for democracy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I mean, Bitcoin magazine should do their top 100, like Bitcoin users of the, of the year. And they should like make it user generated or user submitted. That'd be a great like community thing. Cause you know, think of, I mean, who would get the number one spot? Yeah. I'm uh, filing that away. We'll talk to Nico Knut. Should we do one? Yeah. Yeah. We should. Consensus. But, but, but such lists that like that's, that's sort of what we want to get away from, isn't it? Like we, we, we want to discuss ideas and not people. Yeah. And th- this is a big part of it. Like we don't want heroes to be slain or not slain. We, we, it's about, it's, it reminds me so much of that scene in life of Brian, where, where he preaches to everyone that you're all different, think for yourselves and all of this. And they just chant at whatever back at him, whatever he says, like. You're all individuals. You're all different. Yes, we're all different. That's that sort of thing. It's a bit akin to that because as soon as we start like idolizing this or that person, sooner or later you're going to be disappointed. I mean, people are people. We're flawed creatures. We we, we are going to make mistakes. No one's perfect, hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, give credit to the ideas instead, and like. Uh, there are a couple of other analogies here. Like when a fisherman catches a beautiful, big, shiny fish, 
It's the fish that is beautiful, not the fishman. And it's the same with, you know, writing a song or making a good movie or writing a good article or a good book. It's the same thing. The idea is beautiful and not the, uh, not the person behind it. I mean, uh, everything divided by 21 million is a beautiful idea. And, uh, <laughs> point taken. <laughs> Zing. Yeah. Teach me up for it. Knut. Thanks. Yeah. 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 Uh, but. Anyway, I really feel that. I mean, in, uh, no one remembers if uh, Pythagoras was a good guy or a bad guy, or like it doesn't matter who Pythagoras was. His theorem mm. is still very useful. So yeah, yeah. And I think it's also because he had a really weird, like, good name. Yeah, like yeah, Pythagoras. it's a very uh, yeah, <laughs> really stick. Maybe it's you. a pseudonym. This is why maybe I'm Joe Nakamoto. You know, yeah. It, maybe it was Craig Wrong or. or all along, it wasn't Pythagoras. It was Craig. <laughs> Should we get it trending? <laughs> Craig's theorem. A theorem <laughs> sounds a bit Craig. like Craig's Ethereum if you say it fast. Yeah, yeah. Craig's <laughs> theorem sounds like a good code name. It does. It probably exists. There's twenty thousand of them out there. It's, uh, is there, is there a Fahrenheit shit point? There was a Celsius Surely. one. But is there a Fahrenheit one? Should be. Um, I'll, I'll tell you in one moment, this is part of my job, uh, going to coin market cap and looking for <laughs> shit coins, um, Fahrenheit. Um, I guessing we're, we're looking for American Fahrenheit. Uh, yeah, there's a Fahrenheit chain. There's a whole chain. So there's Fahrenheit, uh, oh, is there coin. a Kelvin? Is there a Kelvin one? With, with a K I'm guessing. So yeah. the temperature, Kelvin. um, yeah, Kelvin, there's three different tokens for Kelvin. Well, one of them's right. on ETH. Um, All right. I mean, all of these things, it's like, it's, it becomes like website names, you know, people collect de domain names, people just create shit coins just in case Elon Musk mentions Kelvin at some point. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like when, uh, when people bought domains, uh, like crazy. People still do. Like it, yeah. I mean, you know, the orange Pearl app, like Matteo, I mean, I'm wearing his hoodie, little shill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he, he still buys like domain names that are like, you know, not a dating app.com or could be a dating app.com or yeah, maybe yeah. I'm a dating app, all yeah, this sort yeah. of thing. And they could be valuable at some point. You know, I, I was like, the second I changed my name to Joe Nakamoto, I was like, I need to buy the domain name of joenakamoto.com just in case I do eventually yeah. make that website. And, but the issue is that with, you know, with Ethereum being and Binance and all these other blockchains being that space where you can create more digital scarcity. Then it fuels this fire and it fuels this, um, uh, uh, this, this behavior. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, it, it pisses me off. Anyway, you can't fix people. You know, people, people voted for the Nazis and people like Coldplay. You can't trust people. People voted. Period. Exactly. Like, that's voted for the, the Nazis. <laughs> yeah. Do you ever watch the show Peep Show? I feel, I feel like you'd like it, Canute. Peep Show? Yeah, it's like an America, American, it's an English, like sitcom comedy thing, but one of the characters always says like really like insightful stuff, but in a really like dark way. And one of them was, nice. you know, you can't trust nice. people because people voted for the Nazis and people like Coldplay. Nice. And it's true. Like Coldplay, one of the best, al best artists of all time. They're quite shit. Like they're very yeah, samey. Yeah. They're so cringe. And also people voted for the Nazis. So, you know, yeah, why yeah. should we ever believe what people do or, or say? But no. the the way I see it with Coldplay, like they they made an excellent debut album, and their mm. second album was really good. The third one had a decent song on it, and then it's all crap after that. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I was trying to. It was parachutes. 
Was it parachutes or Russian blood to the head? Was that the first one? Sorry, parachutes this is not was a music the first one. one. And, okay, uh, yeah, yeah Russian cold blood to the head. What's the second one? Okay, yeah. Sorry, this is not a music podcast, is it? But we, it should be. Yes. Chris we, Martin, if you're listening, uh, you should have uh, consider another drawing on your fingers and your hands. You know, when you play piano, like. <laughs> Make drop it. the drop the you know Africa thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, we know what the tattoo would be. Um, sorry, Luke. No, no, no problem. And uh, if this were a music podcast, I would be making some interesting alternative contributions. So. Yeah, Viking metal. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I just got back from a cruise between Finland and Sweden, uh, where I listened to metal music, but I some like really good hardcore black metal as well until three in the morning. It was a good time. Yeah. Wow. Are you, are you a coder? Like, do you do, or are you like an engineer? In my, my, in my CIA job, I'm, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Totally. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, in cybersecurity, but, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I would like to do more Bitcoin stuff. Okay. Yeah, there's definitely a positive correlation between like metal fans and engineering slash coding slash, you know, and computer and, fans, mm. literal fans. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, and people who moved to Finland, big correlation with enjoying metal. <laughs> uh, do you, what you, where did you move for, to Finland from? From Canada. Oh, right. Okay. So you're Canadian. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm Canadian. Yeah. He's a Canuck. Ah, Wait, maybe we should rebrand to Canute and the Canute. What do you think of that, Luke? That's a pretty interesting one. <laughs> Canute and the can Canute, yeah. That's the, the, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss that one. Oh my God, I just get your handle. You're Pseudofin. Now I get it. Yeah, yeah. I'm not auditing, but uh, I'm trying my best to LARP as one. Yeah. Oh, I see. We're all laughing in some way. Um, that, 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 that's funny though, because Finland has all the metalheads. Sweden has all the DJs. Um, so what does Norway have? Uh, uh, rotten fish, uh, beautiful scenery, okay. uh, yeah, a lot of money, electric cars, fewer churches. Uh, <laughs> yeah. They the have yeah, they, the churches down. Yeah. That's actually one of the bands I was seeing was a, was a black metal band from Norway. So yeah. There's actually quite a few great musicians from, from Norway. They have a lot of good bands. In all sorts of genres, like it's like, really good. Any any like really popular ones that I might know, or there's something singing Norwegian or. Uh, well, there's uh, this uh, one band with a name I'm not even sure if I'm uh, if it's okay to say on YouTube, but Turbo Negro. Did you hear of them <laughs> from Bergen? No, they made a lot of the music for for Jackass, for instance, and and oh, really and those guys. And uh, there's a good great band called Pisces Orchestra. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a very good female guitar player called Tura. Um, the Reiksop, a, a, a sort of techno band, is also from Bergen, I believe, or maybe from Stavanger. I don't remember. No, yeah, I think Kaisers Orchestra is from Stavanger. Wow. When I think about it, uh, I'll contribute. Who to else? This conversation with Wadruna. Wadruna. They're a, they're a folk band, and they're really quite good. Uh huh. Would recommend. Guys, you have the makings for like a Scandi Bitcoin music podcast. Yeah, we, why not? We just rebrand. Exactly. Or maybe this was all just a Tro Trojan horse and you, it was all gonna, always, always going to happen. And <laughs> you never know people's true intentions of what game they're playing, do you? <laughs> it's true. This is, this is again why we Bitcoin. Um, 
you know, to take the take the human nature out of the whole thing and just, you know, yeah. do you know, do you know Ricky and Laura? You know, Ricky, um, the human rights activist and Laura, Laura Nori. They like call themselves the Bitcoin Explorers and they have like a YouTube channel and they do like mostly they do the content in Italian. But you will Oh yeah, I know them. I met them in uh, Amsterdam. I, I oh nice. Yeah. Yeah. They're larger than life. Uh, yeah, very larger than life, really happy guy. Uh yeah. I, I only remember the the guy. Uh, okay. What's it Ricky? And uh, yeah, so Ricky and, and Laura. Well Ricky, like he was he got into Bitcoin like 2015, 2016, and he, he he just doesn't really trust people anymore. And that's one of the reasons why he really likes Bitcoin, because it you know, we've always had monies that in some way, shape or form, a human could manipulate it. And with yeah. Bitcoin, it's so hard to manipulate. I mean, I, I don't, I, I think it's not really possible to manipulate Bitcoin as a monetary system anymore. Yes, you can manipulate the price, but you can't change any of the rules about it or anything else. Cause you know, the nodes are just going to say no. And, um, once he like explained that to me, I like, I got it even more. I was like, ah, oh, yeah, this isn't just a yeah. system that's, um, you know, it's literally it, by design, human has just been removed from the equation. Yeah, yeah. We've never had that before with the money. No. And that's what's really special. That's what people don't get. It still blows my mind to this day that that is the case. Like, I, I, I can't wrap my head around it. I'll add a point here. Um, you do get Satoshis that uh, people think are worth more than uh, a single Satoshi, though, because humans are still allowed to write arbitrary data into the blockchain. <laughs> I'm still not up to speed. With, I was on holiday last week and that was the week of ordinals. And just today I was looking at all the data of like how much the block size has increased and, um, you know, all these NFT people that are coming into like Bitcoin. And I did not realize that so many people, loads of people really do just like graffitiing on blockchains. They love it. And I, and I don't get it. Um, I'm, I'm in the minority here, but then again, I've, I've only ever bought one NFT and it was a joke. It was like a present for someone. And yeah, but let's, let's avoid that discussion because we shouldn't give these people attention at all. I think like it's, it's not worth talking about. It's not going to destroy Bitcoin, but it's not good behavior either. So just mm. don't encourage them. So, well, Joe, maybe another thing uh, that I'm curious about here is how do you find making connections with, with people and, um, and not to make too, this too complicated a question, but more like uh, you, you, you do a lot of really uh, on the ground, almost gorilla orange pilling. Uh, how do you how do you feel about that? Thanks, Luke. Yeah, um, but yeah, the, you know the gorilla journalism. I think that it's kind of a dying art, and uh, something that I think that is kind of missed. And I, I realized uh, I actually realized this at the World Economic Forum, where I did the first bit of like camera work with a microphone, and um, yeah. Uh, I realized that this is way more impactful and it's actually, it's cool to see people's reactions in their faces when they learn about something and that in itself goes a bit more viral as well. So the guerrilla journalism or I guess this, this orange pilling stuff, it's, and it's fantastic content. I think all, all the ways around it, it's just, it's, it's a great thing that can go viral. So, I mean, maybe I'm even answering my own question in my head, but it's kind of like, how is the effectiveness of this stuff for actually getting people to because you, you hear the story right orange pill your taxi driver or something like that and, and how yeah, real yeah. is that you know what yeah what do yeah. you well uh, yeah it's that it's that word like orange pill it doesn't it has like so many meanings like for some people it means like i'm so down the rabbit hole you know i'm on my ten thousandth hour of podcast after three months of like i can't talk to any people i'm locked in a room just realizing that fiat is a scam 
And it can also mean, yes, I'm now accepting Bitcoin at my coffee shop. I've been orange pills. And you know, <laughs> it is like a whole like spectrum of things. And actually, I've tried to start stop using the word orange pill as much and start to just talk about introducing people to Bitcoin and being like, okay, ultimately, yes, we can orange pill people. Um, but in order to orange pill people, it's a long process. It's like being there, communicating, sharing content, sharing books, sharing podcasts, you know, sharing whatever to support people on their journey to realizing, holy shit, like the world is not what we think it is. And this thing called money, which we never learn about as children or young adults or adults is actually like a really important concept that can define your existence. And you need to be aware of that and, and aware of like, there are other options out there. And so this whole process. I mean, Sophie and I were, were thinking about creating a podcast called Orange Pill Therapy, which um, Daniel Prince's wife is still um, has actually taken the idea and she's made a, a Facebook group for other mums that are oh, yeah. therapizing their husbands who are going through like Orange Pill Therapy processes. But we were going to do like a podcast, like another, you know, we don't need more podcasts in Bitcoin, but we were, we were thinking about it and did a couple of interviews. But yes, we do though. We, we, we do. One with Prince Philip and one with Matteo from the Orange Pill app is actually how we first met. And the idea was to talk about your orange pill experience and be like, how bad was it? Because like some people have it really bad. Like I'd lost my job at the time and was living with my parents in the UK as like a 27 year old who's just completely messed up in his life. And so when I was saying about this Bitcoin stuff, it was really quite like, um, like properly engaging with it. It was mm -hmm. quite depressing and quite disheartening. And you kind of want someone to talk to you about this and you kind of want someone to live, relate to. And that, uh, I mean, that's why we have Bitcoin meetups, Bitcoin communities, and that's why how we, you know, have this open, um, public space where you can air these grievances. But yeah, so when I'm doing these street interviews, for most people, I'm their first ever touch point with Bitcoin. There isn't a head, a media headline that says Bitcoin destroys the Amazon or something. Hmm. Um, so for them to realize it's this like kind of like happy, uh, smiley, like goofy English guy who's happy to, you know, be as stupid on camera then I, I hope that it breaks down those barriers of, oh my God, Bitcoin's a scary thing. It's like, actually, no, I'm going to send you some right now and you're going to have a great time doing it. And, you know, we're going to high five at the end of it and you're going to go along your way. I'm going to tell you, like now I'm, what I'm trying to do at the moment is have a, a video that people, because people always ask, because people are vain. People are like, what's your YouTube channel? Like, how can I like see myself on it? I'm like, oh, well, you know, here's the YouTube channel. And I've had lots of people DM me from that saying, how do I buy my, my, like my first Bitcoin? How do I transfer it to this thing? How do I do that? And I've realized that that has become more work than actually making content and my actual day job. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I need to have a video which says, hi, thanks for letting me send you some money on camera in whichever country we're in. Would you like to check out these resources? And, you know, here's a referral code to an exchange, for example, but mm -hmm. please try and buy KYC only. But I mean, how deep do you go on the first touch point? Sorry, no, no KYC. I mean, um, uh, so yeah, it's glad you corrected yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, so I, so I yeah. buy KYC Bitcoin, guys. There's your intro segment. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't touch KYC Bitcoin. Um, but the um, yeah, the, the the actual orange pilling. Like, only, I, if I could, if I had unlimited time, yes, I would be there to talk to people and you know. And I'd be like a Bitcoin teacher. Like, I think that'd be a really cool role to do. And it's something that I'd like aspire to do. Like, you know, with the my, Mi Primer Bitcoin program in El Salvador. Mm -hmm. um, so like they are actively like recruiting for teachers. And I was like, I would like to work for you. Like, how can I do that? And like, I was talking with them, but you know, I have a job. I have um, money that I owe to the government for my studies. And I have to earn enough um, to not, you know, be on the street as well. So all... Little by little, you know, um, all, all, it'll all take its own time. But yeah. um, the, yeah, the actual 
my video content, it's not actually orange pilling people. I'm introducing people to Bitcoin and hopefully undermining this, this preconceived notion. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, people will then have to put the work in to get to that level of understanding or the level of, um, not conviction, but that level of rationale that there is Bitcoin and there is everything else. And yep. it's, you know, that takes a lot of, um, concerted learning. But what, what I've also found really interesting is that obviously, you know, we go through school and we all learn in different ways. Like, um, you know, some people might learn through maths and English and some people learn through art and, you know, conversation and theater and this sort of stuff. And I think yeah. that's one thing that like, as Bitcoiners, we need to like broaden our scope of educational tools. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're seeing that more and more, like there's a lot more video content than there used to be. There's a lot more like literature. Of course, we've got loads of Bitcoin writers, but you know, not everyone reads and not everyone can read. And that's another thing that I'm like, how do we get more people to learn about this thing that ultimately is going to going to become like the world money. Yeah. And, I'm, I, and I mean, here is where we're going to insert a, a, a specific mention for consensus network for this. Like this is the entire yeah, yeah. consensus, right? Yeah, yeah. Is, the, is the translations and uh, spreading the content to as many languages as possible uh, and all this. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's, yeah. uh, that's the big reason that I got involved with, with this was finding the, the, the Bitcoin books in, in Finnish, which were originally uh, the what got consensus started and now they've got it like a dozen languages and all these translations and more Bitcoin books and things and building content and all this stuff. So yeah, if you're ever, uh, Joe, if you're ever doing uh, interesting things or have ideas with translations and stuff, I hope you're thinking of consensus and, uh, um, maybe there's people who know, who know, uh, um, some things that can help. For sure. Yeah, man. Yeah. No consensus has been on my radar and. I did like a, uh, a silly video where like I bought a consensus book from the consensus bookshop in Biritz. Oh, yeah, in Biritz, yeah. 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 And I know Edouard, um, he's, 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 he's a good lad. And, um, yeah, no, um, shout out to consensus and Nico and yourself. Um, and wait, can you, are you an advisor to them? Do you work for consensus as well? Well, I, I published via consensus and I'm, I'm sort of, I guess I could say I advise Nico. I, I mean, we do a lot of stuff together and I really like to see them succeed. So yeah, I'm getting more and more involved. Yeah. Okay. I know that Princey does as well because he's got yeah. like his referral code and all that. Yeah. Yeah. And we all help one another. Like it's, it's a sort of a silly question in a, in a Bitcoin world because like mm. the companies won't be companies anymore. It's just us helping one another. And like mm. sometimes you have a, skin in the game and sometimes you don't but we all have skin in the bitcoin game so like yeah yeah uh, yeah it's interesting uh, and i think this this model the starfish model that they're doing like when we build organizations that uh, instead of people having salaries they get a part of the profit everyone and it's so easy to do with bitcoin because you can divide up the plunder very easily like yeah. and divide the profits between whoever contributed and you just agree to a certain percentage of a certain project and do something. And yeah, I think that model can be applied to quite a few organizations and it's, it's a very nice way of doing things. Uh, I, in my opinion, perfect follow up to us uh, talking to Ben DeWall about that stuff all uh, last episode too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, I still think there are organizations that need people that are uh, on a steady paycheck. And uh, the paycheck thing, like from a praxeological perspective, you uh, what you do when you accept a steady paycheck is that you uh, you trade your chances for a part of a profit that might be more money than uh, uh, than what would you would have made your monthly salary 
but you trade it away for uh, certainty. So you remove the uncertainty from the future, what, which might in itself free up more time for you to do entrepreneurial things yourself and so on and so forth. So there is a mm. point to that too, but in, in the Bitcoin world, uh, makes a lot more sense to just let everyone have a share of the profit. And that's often like in the fiat world, that's very uncommon. Most, most organizations are very hierarchical and people have a you know, hourly wage or a monthly wage and that's it. Um, exactly. I do. Yeah. But by the way, uh, you were talking about, you know, when you were at a typical time in your life and, and, uh, started learning about money and it was depressing. Hmm. I, I often think about this, like, uh, th th there's a, a lot of negative Bitcoiners for some reason that, that, that think like, uh, because if, if you're not aware of how bad it is in fiat land, uh, it can be very depressing to find out, but, hmm. but. If you're already aware of that, like Bitcoin is the most hopeful thing to ever come to existence. Like, uh, it's, it's so optimistic. Yeah. And, uh, I think it's easy to forget about that. Like, uh, yeah, there are problems and the, yeah, there are attack vectors and whatnot, but like we have this thing now, like there's something, uh, there's a way yeah. out and it's yeah. so. And, and that's why sometimes, you know, you open your Twitter feed or you open your Nostra feed and you're like, would people just shut up? Like there, we have this Bitcoin thing now. There is like, I feel like a lot of um, people stop watching the news because it's just pure negativity and they come to Twitter and they learn about Bitcoin and they get hopeful and stuff. And then still like, I find that some days, maybe it's the algorithm, maybe it's Bitcoiners, maybe it's me, um, but you scroll through it and you're like, why, why are you so like, why do you feel the need to attack everything, undermine everything? Like there is this beautiful world that we can work towards together. Yeah. Um, it's not, it's not helpful to you to be undermining it or, or, I mean, yeah, be, be, uh, constructive and, you know, criticism is always useful, Yeah. but like, I feel like a lot of people are, are still like fiat Bitcoiners or, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, pick your, like, uh, there are very, uh, there are a lot of bad hill to die on pickers out there. Like mm. they, they choose fights that they don't need to take. Like why bicker and argue amongst ourselves? Like, well, we have bigger, you know, there are actually bad people out there that are really trying to undermine everything. And like people should be more careful with uh, when picking fights in general, I think, and uh, what problems to expose. I mean, mm. instead of arguing about some, uh, some, uh, problem or alleged problem in Bitcoin and the code and stuff like talk about the problems with the fiat world. Like people's well, we're still just the fringe minority. Like most people that need to be educated about the problems with the other world first before yeah. they can even start to understand any problem in Bitcoin. Yeah. And to feel comfortable expressing themselves in this, you know, there's a lot of people that are like, they'll DM me being like, can I ask you about this? And I'm like, bro, like tweet it. I'll quote tweet it or retweet it and we can get like the hive mind to educate it. Cause while there's one answer from me, it's a, not the right answer probably. <laughs> and also, you know, there's, there's hundreds of really, or well, thousands of really smart Bitcoiners around the world who want to help you along your yeah. sort of Bitcoin journey. Like the, I, I really think that there are no stupid questions in Bitcoin that we should all be able to just, you know, cause if we're signing up to Bitcoin now, we're going to be talking about Bitcoin when I'm, you know, in my 50s, 60s, 70s, whatever. Like this is a very long process. So we need to be like, I don't know, lead with kindness, not with dunking. 
and you know try to really hopefully hope, make people realize that yeah this is a new space and it's a, a space where we you know we're trying to build this like optimistic world together i don't know um kind of using a platform to say like tweet the random shit tweet the random questions and you know we'll have some fun learning about it together and seeing different points of view and that's also part of the process because while there's this code that we can verify the inter- the interpretation of it is all up for grabs you know we we could we could change mining tomorrow if we wanted to i mean people have tried to change it haven't they they've tried to change it to time stamping or try to change it to um whatever the other words were um you know it's just our words which interpretate this line of code it could go any other way. Before we wrap up, a quick reminder that the best way to support the show is to stream us some sats or send us a boost on a value for value podcasting app like Fountain or Breeze. And if you're watching on YouTube, don't forget to like, subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. And now a little bit of information about Consensus Network and what Knut is up to lately. Hey, Luke, can you tell our listeners a bit more about the Consensus Network, the platform that this show is on and the publishing house that publishes my books? What is the Consensus Network, Luke? Thanks, Knut. The Consensus Network is a Bitcoin-only publisher and translator. In other words, translates Bitcoin books into all sorts of languages. Anyone who's interested in translating a book into their language can get in touch with the Consensus Network to help translate and spread the Bitcoin message throughout the world. We have lots of great examples here. Knut's books are some of the most popular on the site. Check out consensus.network or bitcoinbook.shop to see everything that Consensus has to offer. That's bitcoinbook.shop. Use the affiliate code FOOTPRINT for 10% off. Knut, can you tell us about how to get in touch with you and find out more about your stuff and the things that you're involved in these days? Yeah, sure, Luke. So I'm at Knut Svanum on Twitter. I also have a website, knutsvanum.com, where you can find all of my books. There's a whole bunch of books. These old two ones, Sovereignty Through Mathematics and Independence Reimagined, are being rehashed into one book that's coming out with a foreword by Prince Philip. I'm also making a wine. I'm not making this wine, but this is a wine bottle with a Bitcoin B on it that you can sign up for on my website. And you can also find all sorts of everything divided merch if you're interested in that. So uh, that's how you support me. What's the word for the noise that a nostrich makes? Uh, so you have a tweet, and what, what, what does a nostrich make? Is this the beginning of a joke? No, it's not. I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely asking, but like, we don't have, we don't have tweet to like, you send a note to like the, the nostrich. Nostri- oh, I see. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I tweeted. I, I what do ostriches sound like? Some the, I, I imagine a giant chicken of some kind. Like, yeah. Yeah. But like a really fast one. So like, <laughs> like with the, the, what's it called? The sonar effect. I can't remember. I'm obviously now YouTubing, <laughs> yeah. um, I'm now YouTubing, like what noise does an ostrich make? Joe, can you, can you tell us a little bit about, uh, whatever you have going on these days and, uh, where you'd like to send people to, to see more of your stuff? Cool. So let's go full circle. Um, Nakamoto token is coming out soon and it's. <laughs> You guys are part of the pre-release or the, the pre-mine or whatever you want to call it. Um, but no, I'm, I'm trying to create more video content, um, with Cointelegraph and with my own stuff. Uh, so I'm trying to recruit like a video editor at the moment to do like more, more YouTube stuff. Cause I really enjoy it. And it's, I think a more nice. effective way of, of making an impact. Um, so this is going to be a lot more of me embarrassing myself in public. So I'm sure you're all going to love that. 
<laughs> Looking forward to it a lot. Yeah. And then there's a documentary that I actually put a lot of work into with um, Cointelegraph. I've gone fuzzy. That's not good. Um, hey, hey. Um, with, uh, which is in Ireland. Uh, it's all about how you turn cow pat into digital gold. So cow shit, digital gold. We're going to talk through the whole process. And that was what I did uh, in, I filmed it in October of this year. So it's coming out very soon. It's with the guys at Skilling Digital Mining. And then I've also got some content uh, from Senegal coming out very soon, which is about like why this West African community is living on Bitcoin. And then the El Salvador one, which is like, can you live off Bitcoin in El Salvador? Um, as well as my other, my own channel stuff, which is the Joe Nakamoto YouTube channel, which is a complete labor of love and makes me negative money i.e. I lose about 500 pounds a month on it or, you know, um, what's that? Like 80,000, uh, 800,000 sats is it every month on it. Um, but I'm hoping that, you know, little by little people take inspiration from it. People enjoy it. And, and Hey, it's just, it's out there and it's something to do with my time, right? It's a fun use of my time. I find, um, so yeah. And of course I'm also writing, uh, interviews, analysis, opinion pieces, that sort of thing for Cointelegraph, but no. only about Bitcoin or at least trying to be only about Bitcoin. Hope they pay you well so you can afford those stupid videos for a long time. <laughs> no, Bitcoin magazine pay better. Oh dear. Uh, it is what it is. Um, and yeah, uh, thank you very much, Luke and Knuk and it was, or Knut and Knuk um, <laughs> for having me on. It's been great to hang out. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to make people say that now, from now on. Knut and Knuk. Um, <laughs> there it is. And, um, and, and one day, Luke, you might be a, a whole fin. You know, you might be a whole finner. <laughs> Exactly. Working on it. Two years to go, but we'll see. Sweet. And yeah, obviously shill for Orange Pill app. If you're not on the app, yeah. get on it. If you want to meet yeah. Bitcoiners, then this is the place to be. Or the mempool. The mempool also <laughs> a great place to meet Bitcoiners. Yeah. Maybe we just it's... got ourselves another sponsor, uh, Luke. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just put your uh, inscription on the mempool that says you want to meet people and uh, oh, someone will answer you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah or it sounds like maybe Orangeville app is easier to uh, to to meet people that way. But uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, great to have you on, Joe. Wish you luck with everything in the future. And uh, yeah, you have a, a standing invitation whenever you want to come on and discuss something. And uh, hope to see you soon again. See if I'm still shitcoining in a year's time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> looking forward to giving you shit for it. Thanks, guys. <laughs> um, thanks, Joe. Yeah, we. Uh, this has been the Freedom Footprint Show. Thanks for listening, and thanks again to Joe Nakamoto. And to Mr. Sock. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ending. Perfect. Thank you, Knut. <laughs>